1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and of course we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a convincing 3-0 home win at Villa Park against Newcastle United on Saturday. Of course we're recording this on the Sunday and you'll all hear this hopefully bright and early on the Monday morning. So hopefully Villa give you a very, very good start to the week as they did on the weekend of course probably and arguably for most i would say at least the most convincing performance of the season the most complete as well i would say could have easily been five or six nil to say the least i hope it would have been but regardless i will take a three nil five wins on the balance eight undefeated happy days for all it feels a little bit unrealistic as of right now as to what's happening my brain can't really comprehend what's happening but all in all Let's just keep the good times going. So let's introduce our panel for today. Of course, we have Mr. Simon O'Regan and Sebastian Bacon as well with me. So Seb, I'll come to you first. How's it going on this Sunday? Certainly the most
2: satisfying win of the season. Um, Best performance I've seen at Villa Park in years. Um, And probably the happiest I've come away from the ground in years. Every single blade of grass was dominated from a McLaren Blue persuasion from minute one to minute 90 to when the game ended and we, we thoroughly deserved a win against, you know, let's not beat around the bush, a team that have won five in a row and have the whole country talking about their uprise this season. And we completely overshadowed them. It was brilliant. Newcastle weren't at the races, ironically on grand national day. Um, and we thoroughly deserved the three points and I've been smiling ever since. Thanks.
1: Simon, <laughs> Simon, I'll come to you. How's it going with you?
2: Ah, uh, I'm,
3: Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you said most convincing performance of, of the season. I was I was thinking about this earlier. I genuinely don't think I've seen a more complete base let's be honest, perfect performance from a villa team. and I'm genuinely for about 15 years. I was, I was trying to think today because you know we've been so poor in, in the Premier League in like the 2010s. We, like we were awful really. We we picked up the odds win against a big team. You know we beat. I remember under Paul Lambert one year we beat Man City. But you know any any games we won like that previously, there was there was always like big elements of luck and sort of riding our luck in those games. But yesterday, it was just from the very first moment to the very end, we absolutely dominated them, and it's it's not. Like when I say like the most convincing that I've seen for about 15 years, it's because of the opposition as well. As Seb said, got like team are third in the league this season. They'd won their last five in a row. They've got the best defensive record in the league this season. They only really lost three games all season and arguably didn't deserve to lose any of those games. I think they lost to Liverpool twice and were really unlucky. And they lost to City a few weeks ago. When with better finishing they'd have got something yesterday they, they were they were bad but only because Villa didn't let them be good if you know what I mean it's, it wasn't one of those they, they've had an off day because they, they've just not turned up and not played well we didn't allow them to play well and I mean 3-0 massively flattered Newcastle if, if genuinely if that game had been 5-6-7-0 I don't think you could have had any complaints we absolutely annihilated them from start to finish and yeah as I say, it's just it, the performance tactically physically we were just so much better than them and and the crowds i haven't it's been a while since i think john maguire saw an interview today uh, said it's been a while since villa park's been like that and it's true you know normally those early kickoffs on a saturday sometimes it's it's difficult to get the atmosphere going and at times at villa park this season it's not been great but yesterday I mean, it helps that you nearly scored after thirty seconds. Let's be honest, but from from that moment on, the, the crowd went up for it, and yeah, it was just it was a brilliant, brilliant day at Villa Park.
2: This is yeah, a team absolutely. that's lost to four teams in the league this so far this season, and we're in April, so that's it's almost unheard of for Villa to to almost go against the tide. Normally, like you say, the early kickoffs, you know at Villa Park would struggle and I was thinking after 30 seconds when we hit the post oh, it's going to be one of those days you know chances were we we were making so many chances but you you always thought I said at half time, there's no way Newcastle come out and be that bad in the second half because it just it's it's not likely but we we managed to control it even after Ramsey hit the bar we kept going we kept plugging away and for people that listened to the preview I recorded with um, Chris Rowe midweek, I, I asked him the normal question of if you were in the Villa dugout, how would you go about beating Newcastle knowing what you know about Newcastle this season? And he went, do not play it out the back. Newcastle score majority of their goals from playing it short and pouncing on teams errors. And I was sat there silently thinking, that's exactly what Villa do. That That's not, that's not what I wanted to hear. But but credit to Henry. He switched it up and we didn't. We we recognized their threat from that and we managed to play it into the channels and we managed to completely override their midfield. Their midfield three, I don't think, have been bad at uh, that bad all season. We completely bamboozled them. Um, you know, we made Bruno Guimaraes look like a 10 million pound player, for example. And these these are good players that we're talking about, and players that will probably be playing in the Champions League next season. So I really don't want to, normally I come down and really underplay how I'm actually feeling because I don't want to come across too too much. But I really don't think we can understate just how, how big of a win this is.
1: And I think the best thing that you said there, Seb, as well, I, I mean, being able to recognize how Newcastle set up and how their style of play is even when Villa did play out from the back at times, they dealt with the press so well. I can think of so many instances where the ball was moved out to Moreno and the little pockets of space they were able to form with the, the kind of the triangle between either him and Louise or whoever's in the midfield and a, and accompanying center back, whether it was Mings or cons or whoever or back to Martinez. I mean, <laughs> th- this performance, I-, I always felt like under Emery, there's just going to be, you know, there usually typically is one a season where, um under any manager you might win like five or six nil and I mean yes that could have been yesterday I still think that day is to come within the next seven games or so at least we can hope so but if it doesn't for some reason come I, I think this game is the one I'm probably most happy with since Unai Emery has come in as Villa boss I felt like kind of leading up to the game in particular I, I don't know if I've been more nervous probably heading into one and I think some fans especially, I I don't know, I I feel like there's a small portion, maybe we can talk about it later, um, of each fan base that thinks this is a rivalry because of what happened over a decade ago or whenever it was, which I still think it's a little weird, regardless, and all tongue-in-cheek that people can be with that kind of stuff. There is a lot of pressure, and of course, we've also talked about the fact that heading into this one, I I think at the start of the season, a lot of neutrals would have pegged this as a game that was probably lower to mid-table heading into the season, but with two teams that are battling for the top Villa now only, what, six points I think still off of the top four? I'm not looking at the table at the time of recording, but it's absolutely brilliant. It's unbelievable. And you know what? For all the newcastle fans and say up the tune up the bloody villa that's all i can say so simon i'll, I'll come to you that was cringing based on seb's face he thought it was cringy too but um i will bring him in to save me so simon looking at this one in particular i mean there's no other way to start this than talk about sir ollie watkins again we do it every week but we have to again two goals yesterday could have easily probably had a hat trick if a few more things went his way i mean are we running out of ways to describe this man at this point? I, I don't even know how to put it into words myself.
3: It's it's unbelievable, isn't it, the turnaround? I mean, he, obviously he's been on the an amazing goal scoring run, but there's some of the some of the like detractors of our recent run have been saying, Well, you have been playing against teams lower than you in the table that you that you should be getting results against anyway. Which I, I think is, is bullshit because you can only beat what's in front of you and, you know, you, you look at some of the teams that we've and uh, detractors, Seb. Not tractors. <laughs> um, Sorry, you know, I, was, I was so confused. <laughs> um, so, like, but like, you know, the, the, some of the teams that we beat beaten have got results against uh, the teams that, at, at the top end of the table. So it, just, just because you're expected to be beat a team doesn't mean that you are gonna beat them. But anyway, regardless of that, if you look at the they, this game yesterday against Newcastle, as as said at the top, this is the best defence in the league this season. And he absolutely he bullied those defenders for 90 minutes, you know, literally thirty seconds into the game, he's got through um, you know, shrugged bottom off was unlucky with the finish to hit the post. But they just couldn't handle him at all. He's as we've sort of talked about before over the last few weeks, and you know Watkins has said it himself that Emery's worked on his game and spoken with him about sort of conserving his energy and being more clever with his runs. I think, I think I saw a little clip of him uh, talking on BT Sport before the game, saying how uh, how like had been getting him to look at like videos of uh, Abamiang and Cavani and stuff like that, and obviously. They there are you know I have been at you know a level above Watkins because you know they've been playing and scoring the Champions League for a number of years, but you sort of you watch that performance yesterday, and that as you know if you take Haaland out of it, over the last few months there's not been a better centre forward in the Premier League. He's he he's finding himself in the right positions time and time again, but what he's also doing. Which I think is, which shows how much he's developed in his game as well. If you think about it, even just a few months ago, you know, at the start of Emery's reign, he'd snatch at chances. And if he missed one, you could, you kind of, if he missed an early chance in the game, you know, he's not scoring today. Like you could almost, it wasn't for like a lack of effort or even that, like, and there was like a fear of it, but you, it was almost like he was rushing things too much and, and snatching at things. Whereas you look at yesterday, he had, 30 seconds into the game, he gets a really good chance, hits the post. I reckon if, if if that happened in sort of November, December, January time, that would, I think that would play on his mind for the rest of the game. Whereas yesterday, it was like, no bother, I'll get another chance, I'll stick that one away. He gets of the chance, It was drawn up for offside. So again, you could be thinking, you know, I've hit the post, Pope's made a couple of good saves for me and now I've had one offside. It's just not going to happen for me today. But again, it's like, it doesn't matter because I know I'm going to get another chance, and I'm going to stick it away. And you know, his his first goal, it's it's awful defending, but it's just it's a great centre forward plays. Well, he gets himself gets himself in a position. I think it was Dan Burn who was with him on, and I, I mean Dan Burn. We'll, we'll chat about him a bit later. <laughs> but he he like he, he, Watkins. He get he got himself in a position where there was absolutely no way Byrne could get to the ball, and like. From the moment that cross goes in from Arena to Watkins' feet, he's in one hundred percent control of the situation. Dan burns his little plaything, and he swivels and puts it away beautifully. And yeah, like you say, we're, we're running out of we're literally. Are you running out of, of of superlatives to send the, the lads away. He's I think he's on fourteen league goals for the season now. Seven games to go. It's absolutely no reason why he can't be. The first striker for over twenty, well, probably about thirty, forty years since we've had a striker who scored twenty league goals in the top flight. And as long as he stays
2: fit, I I, I can't see him not breaking that. Is that the first time Dan Burn has ever been described as
1: small, or as like basically <laughs> a side chick? Well,
3: I mean that that's how that's how Watkins and Begin made him. You know, he no, 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 sick, yeah,
1: yeah. Simon's completely
2: right. I mean, and it was indicated by the substitution made to bring Matt Target on. For Dan Byrne, when you're, I think they were 2-0 down at that point, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have even been 3. To make that substitution regardless shows the impact that they had. But he could have brought off any of their back four. Trippier wasn't having much luck. Their two centre-backs were really struggling with the balls in behind. So, yeah, no, I think Simon covers it
1: up really well. No, 100%. And so I'll throw this right to you. I mean, let's talk about someone a little bit different, a little bit further back on the pitch. Um, I guess Villa's the, the latest edition. I'm also going to... Every, every one of these players is also a Sir now. They've, they've been knighted or whatever at this point in my mind. So Sir Alex Moreno. I mean, I felt like there was a little bit of skepticism about him early on. Of course, not a lot of people knew about him. If you pretend that you did, let's be honest, you probably didn't. But regardless, I mean, the man has just shown over the last few weeks in particular, that he fits this system perfectly, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, and it's taken some getting used to it. It hasn't come come straight away, which I think shows the level of character about him and also the work rate that's been going on behind the scenes. I'm actually going to um, embarrass my dad. He probably doesn't listen to these, but um, if he is, I'm going to get up the text that he sent me when Moreno first came on against Leeds. And uh, he'd been on the pitch about half an hour, and the text I got was, what the fuck is this? Because he really struggled against Leeds. Um, but he's been our, arguably our best player since since integrating into that side. There's no way for Dinja to get back in now. He's he's so good going forward that he could quite easily be a winger. But then he's so good going backwards as well. It's, it's rare to find a fullback who is so good at both of them. He's calm on the ball. He's able to find a pass. The way he effortlessly beats defenders to get into the box, you know, you're almost confident now. Times being a Villa fan, if a player got to the edge of the box and stopped, you'd usually expect them to turn, pass it back or lose it. Whereas with Moreno, it's almost effortless. He gets into that wide position in the box and then just knocks it past and puts a cross in every single time without fail. So... Yeah, he, he was brilliant, again, as he has been ever since he came in. But the one player I do want to mention, and I'm sorry if I've taken it out of your mouth, is Leander Dendonka. The impact he had to play a full 90 minutes for the first time since Man United at home, so effortlessly, on his birthday, might I add, was exceptional because he's had his critics. Stevenage at home, he wasn't the best, but every time he's come in, in the league, he's done a job and to fit in so seamlessly into that midfield four, who let's be honest, was so tight and compact. You know, there was really no room for error in, in Emery's tactical plans to fit in so well and to have such an impact. It, it shows the level of squad that we have, but the level of squad that you also need going forward. Cause you always see these people online going, well, he's not playing much, so we should get rid of him in the summer, or he's not having an impact, so he should leave. But That is the whole reason we have the squad that we have is so that they can all come in when needed and have a big impact, especially like Dendonka suits teams like Man United at home, like Newcastle, where we're probably not going to dominate the whole game or don't expect to dominate the whole game and can sit back almost in that defensive six as Emery is getting a lot of praise for at the moment where we go to the six at the back. So to have different
1: players in this system is so exciting. And I think the thing, too, with that, Seb, is... I mean, I mean the fact that we were able to bring in Dendonker and you really did notice that we were still missing Kamara. And I think that has to be the biggest kind of plot that you can give Unai Emery. The fact that he's able to basically slot in anyone within this squad and they have a purpose. He's able to get their best and utmost abilities out of them. And it has worked, you would say, for the majority rather seamlessly. That's the biggest thing. And I, I, I think a lot of people questioned the signing of Dendonker, and everyone thought it was just kind of a bit of a filler. But it's nice to know that we can have these role players that have once been questioned. And you know, there's that ability there as well. But Simon, I'll, I'll pass it over to you because it looks like you're itching to say something.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, j- just on, on Dendonker, I mean, I, I, and I did, you can go back, I did say at the time, I thought it was a really smart signing for what, 13, 14 million pounds. 27, obviously just turned 28 yesterday. Midfielder who is a regular in the Belgian team. You do not play in that Belgian midfield if you're not a good footballer, uh, or if you don't, if you've not got something to offer. And like when, whenever he's played for Villa, I think he's always done a, a really decent job. I think obviously he made that that mistake against Stevenage. And Pete, so many people just fixated on that and decided that he shit just based off one one silly mistake. But, you know, every player in our squad has made mistakes at some point during this season or over their Villa career. Like, it, it happens, but you think, like, the... I think he, he plays... He started the Brentford game and we beat them 4-0 and he was excellent in that. The Manu game, Emily's first game, was excellent in that. He was excellent again yesterday and I, I totally agree with you. Like, he, you might look at it. he's just, he's a player that he, he's not going to be in your first choice ever. You know, it's from what we've got at the moment, obviously Kamara and Louise are you are your first choice too in the in the central midfield. But if we if we're going to be playing European football next season, or we you know, wanting to be pushing and, and competing for stuff around that, you need to have someone like a Dendonka in your squad to, to so that you can rotate and, and still have a player who's good enough to come in and do that job and. Like, I mean, obviously, we were linked with Gwendouzi in January, and there'll be talk about him coming, you know, maybe coming in the summer. If he came in or another midfielder like that, you'll probably see people saying, well, that means we'll have to ship Den donkey on. Absolutely not. Like, that would be a sh- ridiculous thing to do. You need to have, like, I mean, we've said, I've said this so many times, and we all have, you need to have people on the bench who are. As good as, or as you know, as capable as the people starting games, because especially now with five substitutions, it can be such a big, that you know that's a massive um, weapon at a manager's disposal to change games. You know, having four or five options on the bench, you can come in and you're not weakening the, the team that you started with. So, yeah, I'm glad that you brought them down, because I. I thought it was even that, like it would have been so easy. It's, how many other managers would have looked and gone, right? Leon Bailey's out injured. So we'll just replace him with Troy And like, you know, that, that, that could have worked as well. You know, you, you, obviously there's no way of knowing, but you know, it'd be so easy to go, Troy come on the last two games and scored. So let's just stick like him in there. But, but Emery recognizes Newcastle have got, you know, they've, they're such a high energy team. They press so well. So you need, so we just, you get McGinn out onto that wing again, so he can, you know, put pressure onto their back back four and and sort of uh, helps out in the midfield. And then you bring in Dendonken, who, as well as having that defensive capability, he's a big unit as well. He's a physical presence, and Villa aren't are blessed with many like you know, big players. Newcastle they have they're full of big players. You know, Isaac is a big fella, uh, Willock. Uh, Bruno's quite big. Dan Byrne obviously, as we talked about, although he was made to look like a child. But you know, I mean, the, the point is, like Newcastle, that Newcastle are physical team, and their set piece. Right? I think they've got in terms of scoring or creating chances from set pieces. So just having someone like that, a physical presence in in that team, is it, it just shows yet again just how good Unai Emery is. And I mean, we're. We're so lucky to have a manager like that because, he, as a, you know to say, it'd been so easy to just chuck Birch and Troy or into that team, but he knew that it
2: just wasn't the right thing to do. That's probably a really good point that's made me realise, I'm I'm just trying to go through our squad now quickly in my head and think, who would I label as being known as a physical presence? You've got Dendonka, who you mentioned. I put Tyrone Mings in that category. I put M- McGinn in that category, but less so for the physical, but more the tenacious, you know, being known for your ass, I probably wouldn't say is physical, but he has that almost aura about him to be, be physical. Again, Dougie has the traits as well. And then probably Diego Carlos, although Diego Carlos is best known for his time at Villa, or my favourite Diego Carlos time at Villa so far is him falling through Alex Moreno's window on a live stream online. So, so yeah, going through that, we, ha- we haven't actually got many, and that's something that I've only just realized.
1: Yeah, and like, I, and, I mean, you guys both bring up really good points, and Simon, the one that I wanted to hone in on a little bit was the squad depth, and we've all complained about it for ages, but you are 100% right. I don't get the little bit of whinging that I still see online from time to time thinking that, okay, our bench isn't good enough or this player isn't good enough. And, or why does not this player start? Like I did see a little bit of questioning initially why Traore isn't starting and things like that. But like you've mentioned, I I mean, Newcastle are a pressing team and I hate to say, I love what birdies done. Just in a a few games really that he's played this season, his contributions have been vital within that limited time. I mean, there's no forgetting that, but he can be a bit of a passenger in in a game like this where you need to start strong. We started strong, we finished strong and every moment in between was just absolutely full throttle um foot on the neck per se and really didn't stop pressing down on it if you want to get a little bit gruesome with that detail in particular but just to break down some of the stats because there is one stat that we will kind of move on to the next talking point within this game but to get to the game stats themselves of course villa had 52 percent possession i feel like i actually should see if there's a stat and maybe seb if you want to uh, check while i'm kind of I'm Just r- rambling on here to see how many games in a row we've actually um, managed to have the most possession in um, within this run. Of course, Villa had 52 to Newcastle's 48. We had 15 shots, or sorry, 16 shots to their eight. Apparently, I can't see well today. Um, six shots on target to their two. We had seven corners to their two, which is actually a, kind of a very important stat with a team that's very good in the air and very lethal. To limit them to two corners really does say a lot of course, we had 13 fouls to their 15. I'll continue on with just kind of a little bit of statistical analysis in terms of the last eight games. We've had six clean sheets, 16 scored, two conceded, um, 22 points from a possible 24. That, Of course, that's five wins on the bounce. In the one player I did want to move on to now is that of Jacob Ramsey, two goals and three assists out of those last eight games. There's been a little bit of, I guess you could say, Simon, um, some kind of frustration and I wouldn't say questioning of his ability, but kind of wishing that in form Jacob Ramsey would come back. We all know he had a little bit of injury troubles earlier on in the season, I do believe if I'm thinking correctly. So it's been a little bit of a inconsistent season to say the least. But I mean, especially in this run, he's been, if you're going to say Ollie Watkins is the most important player, you would have to say he's maybe the second, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen at at certain points over the last few weeks, like negative negativity and criticisms, uh, sort of heading Ramsey's way, and it honestly, I cannot tell you how much it pisses me off because that kid is, he's brilliant. I mean, maybe it's because, because last season. Like it was a real breakthrough season for him, and he was really, really good in a team that just was playing. Let's be honest, it was shit football, wasn't it? Like from especially the sort of second half of the season, it was just boring to watch. But Rams, so Ramsey probably stood out a bit more, and maybe I I think because he's had obviously a few niggling injuries, like you said, so it's kind of he he has. It's only the last. Sort of couple of months that he's had a consistent run of games, really, where he's been injury free. But even then, like I, I just I do not get any criticism. You you watch him and and you can just see what a great player he, he already is. And he's still only twenty one. Like let's let's be honest, he's still a kid. He's got so much improving to do, and he's already at a really good level. And. He's he offers something in our midfield that no other player really does, and and that's the ability to run with the ball, uh, from deep. I think McGinn McGinn does offer that in in a kind of different way. It's like when when McGinn does it, and this is probably going to be like really, uh, this this is probably going to be really disrespectful, but when he does it, it's, it's like it's like watching like a just like a mental kid with the ball in the park, just running around. But like, but it does work, and like it, it, it it doesn't doesn't look as controlled as it as it probably actually is. Would you look at Ramsey when he when he's on the ball? He, he he can pick it up and he can drive 30, 40, 50 yards up the pitch, and it's done in the flash. And he looks so so elegant and so powerful with it as well. It's it's like he, he midfield, opposition midfielders bounce off him. He, he's, his footwork is so good. He's close control. He's really good. And he picks a pattern more often than not. He'll pick the right pass out as well. I mean, sometimes I'd like to see him shoot a bit more because I think he's shown with some of the goals that he scored in his Villa career that that he's capable of pinging them in from distance. But I think that part of that is because he's so capable of picking those passes out, so he he kind of you, you sort of think well why wouldn't you if I know that I can pick and right pass out here and set up maybe a better opportunity for a teammate he can do that so I mean I I absolutely love Ramsey and I think he's he's also as well not just remembering the fact that he's still young but he's sort of playing in a position and in the system that would be so alien to him when it was first drawn in you know he would have grown up playing probably as number ten. Or you know, as a number eight in the midfield three, but he's obviously playing wide left in a sort of sort of playing as a winger, but not really a winger because we don't really play with wingers. Like it's you know that that's a that's a system that takes time to get used to, and I think he's adapting brilliantly to it. I mean, I, I I you look at look at some of the people who have had England call ups in the last squads. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking specifically of Connor Gallagher. I mean, if, if he's getting in an England squad, surely Jacob Ramsey can't be too far away. I, I, I Honestly, I, I think he's such a good player. And also, I think, I think he's coming up to like 100 Premier League appearances and he's, he's still only 21. And I'm not saying that he'll be as good as, as Jack Grealish has now become. But what I will say is that at the age of 20, Ramsey's better at 21 than Jack Grealish was for Aston Bill at 21.
1: it's not a bold shout, like let's let's be honest. And I mean, of course, you could some people might kind of argue where Villa were at that time when Jack was 21, but the biggest thing that I think you guys will both agree, and especially when Jack Realish left, was okay, now we really don't have a lot of players that like to drive the play forward and can hold on to it consistently. Well, I mean, the most obvious you would say now would probably be basically everyone in midfield essentially does it now but Ramsey drives at the most McGinn of course does it with his that big arse of his of course um most notably um you have to bring that up Dougie does it so eloquently and excellently these days with a lot of days with a lot of confidence and of course the fullbacks and even at times the center backs kind of like to drive it a little bit forward and uh get play going which is most important um and of course seb what is he saying here in the comments i'm just gonna um, try to embarrass him here he says even the center backs oh fuck beat me to it um so there's a little behind the scenes here on this edition of the whole cast always professional of course us three are but with saying that um i did want to hand it over to seb because he did want to bring up um, the atmosphere in particular around Villa Park. I think it's something, I, I know we've talked about it in the past, but before we get over to the three-word reviews and all that kind of good stuff, because there's about 130 of them. So I'll hand it over to Seb now. And while he's doing that, I will try to go through the three-word reviews and not t- try to say any will, that get, will get us cancelled in the public eye. So Seb, over to you. First of all, the answer to your question
2: is Chelsea away is the last time that we were not we didn't have the most possession. So we had three games in a row where we did. And Forest, we absolutely battered them. We had about 72% possession. Uh, but that's to be expected. Anyway, yeah, the atmosphere yesterday, or well, yeah, yesterday at the time of recording this was probably one of the best I've been to since going to Villa Park. And the reason I wanted to bring it up was um, was because I believe, if I'm not wrong, Simon, you took your nephew to his first game. So... <laughs>
3: is uh, that he he went to the Man U game? That was the first one that brought
2: him to. But um, he Get enjoyed into every game. a lot more. Get yeah, to every yeah. single game now. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no. While while I'm on the topic, um, I've got another, another quick shout out to make I actually I I was kind of negative about the person I sat next to last time I was on here with you two, saying about the conversation we had about whether he'd rather win or whether he'd rather be entertained. However, he we had both on Saturday <laughs> we were entertained and we won comfortably and he absolutely loved it but unfortunately his daughter who is usually there with him wasn't there and he was he was saying to me the whole time oh she's going to be gutted so um again emily if you're listening unfortunately unfortunately you couldn't be there but maybe maybe if that's how we play when you're not then you should you should stay away full time <laughs>
1: Was that all you wanted to bring up? Try to hit on someone to get a date. <laughs> you better edit that out. <laughs> you little shit.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I have all the control here. So, like on the atmosphere, you, you're right. It was. Uh, I mean, like I said um, at the start, the the twelve thirty kickoffs can be. I, I, I don't really understand why. Maybe it's just because people. Maybe, like haven't had enough time to, to have enough drinks in the pub or something I, I don't at that time in morning I'm not, I'm not too sure but it, it can be a little bit flat but I mean even before kickoff you' like, you you could just feel I, th- I think because everyone knew and we we've been talking about it all week about what a big game it was you know two really informed teams so I think everyone had the feeling that like it was going to be that the, the, the there was going to be something. It wasn't going to be a dull game, but there's was, there was going to be an exciting game. I think most people probably thought a draw, or I mean, I I kind of had a horrible feeling that Newcastle were going to sneak it, but but you could sense there was excitement coming, even before kickoff. You could, I could feel that there was like a an air of anticipation in the crowd. But then, at for the whole ninety minutes, I mean, the, the whole end didn't stop singing, which. It has it's very rare that that's happened. You know, It's it, maybe you, you think the Man U game, Emory's first game at home, you know, or uh, Brentford, obviously the first game after Gerald had gone, so there's sort of a bit of a mood to been lifted. But yeah, the, the crowd are just on it. But then even after the game, as we're, you know, walk, I'm walking back to the pub and there's just thousands of fans are walking down the street and everyone is singing and chanting. And it's, I've not heard that, like, after the game, walking home for, for quite some time. And I think there's just, everything just seems like it's all coming together at the moment. There's, there's such a feel-good factor. You've got that, and I think we spoke about it last week or the you know, the last couple of pods. we've spoken about, the. it feels like there's that connection between the players and the fans again. And it, it really is feeling like how things were joined that ten game winning streak in the championship. It, it it just feels like everyone's going expecting expecting to see a good performance, and they're getting good performances from their team. And it's um, yeah, it's it, it's you know we've got three home games left this season, and I I cannot
2: wait for them. I think what makes it even more special is probably the scrutiny that our fans have been under from from ourselves about how it it just hasn't been good enough recently. So to finally see it as it was and know how special it can be just, just makes it even better. And I I was saying to one of my mates that, um, you know, I go, I go with my dad. He's, he's someone that introduced me to Aston Villa. And I've, I've always gone with my dad as much as we're both available. And that is why we go to the football together to experience games and, and atmospheres like that together. And, those are the types of games where, because I'm not going to be able to go with my dad forever as as people aren't, but those are the games that will stick out in the memory as something that we both absolutely loved at the time. And we, we've been able to live through that together and almost in the fact that Villa's journey from, from going down. We we watched that together. We watched them come back up to the Premier League. We've watched them just about stay in the league, albeit in lockdown. And now it seems like this is another chapter in that journey.
1: And I can't wait. Well, I think that's the thing. It's 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 kind of dangerous in, in a way because like I, I can understand I think I think the best kind of case study, if you were to kind of really dive into this, we're not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but I mean, uh, Seb sent us the, a, a kind of a match reaction of a Newcastle fan, and I, I've watched a few others. And although most of them are kind of giving plaudits to how good Villa were, a lot of them are also having temper tantrums while they're still, I believe, in third, um, or at least in the top four. I haven't literally looked at the at the table today in particular, um, but you can tell from one season and not even a full season as of yet of being constantly in the top four unexpectedly. Unexpectedly, sorry. There's already that expectation where it seems like, and I don't want to speak for Newcastle fans because I'm not a Newcastle fan, so maybe it's only a minority, but you can already see those expectations lift to such a high standard that it's becoming dangerously close where it can potentially affect the atmosphere, if that makes sense. I mean, I think Newcastle's always kind of been known to have a very loud and boisterous atmosphere regardless if things are going bad or good and of course if it's going bad usually the atmosphere has been noted for walkouts and things like that so maybe it has been maybe more toxic than anything and I mean of course we we can all probably sit back and say Newcastle definitely arguably probably had it worse longer than Villa had if you look at probably the last 15 years or so to say the least but when it comes to Villa and the atmosphere at Villa Park in particular I I think Basically, what I'm trying to get at is enjoy the rest of the season, whatever happens, make that place a fortress and keep it rocking because clearly it impacts the players opposing and it pushes the lads on. I mean, all the way. And I I think that's evident. You can hear it through the TV Um, on my end. Of course, you can hear it, whether it's Simon and Seb at Villa Park or anyone that's there. And you know what? If we do get European football, of course, the expectations are going to keep rising the longer that this success goes on that's kind of meant to happen but all in all i think keeping that atmosphere positive and keeping it loud and proud is kind of the best way that i can really put it because at the end of the day if you we want to become a successful club and keep it that way i think that's one of the ways we have to do it um i mean a lot of people make fun of the atmosphere um at the eddie had for man city and a lot of people call it the empty had for various reasons um i always kind of make note of the atmosphere that can be around that football club at times too. And I mean, you can think of other clubs in different leagues that achieve various things at the top end. And maybe that success has almost become a downfall in terms of the atmosphere because of that expectation, but all in all to kind of wrap up this rambling that hopefully has made some sense. All I want to say is really enjoy the ride and we're here for it because you know what who knows maybe this is a blip and next season's another shit show i mean would it really be surprising this is villa of course i mean lord unai emory is taking us to the very top that's all i can say but regardless of that let's get over to the three word reviews of course i put it up around 15 to 20 minutes um on twitter post match it's great to just read these out there's been i think 132 at time of recording which is bonkers it hasn't been like that in a good while usually we get over 100 when we've been absolutely slaughtered or we've lost or something like that because people probably need to um, get rid of some anxiety anger whatever but these are all positive it's brilliant to see some are inappropriate um i still love reading those nonetheless so Let's go through all these. And of course, to seven, Simon, the the clock's ticking. That means um, get your three reviews or three word review. Sorry. Ready as well. I've already thought of mine. I didn't write it down. So I'm hoping by the end of this, I haven't forgot it. But regardless of that, let's start with um, Woody Woodpecker saying onwards and upwards. Steve White, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. Let's go to um, Ian Bevis. Well-deserved win. Um, Jonathan Fairless saying Kane England's number two. He he fit that all in within that kind of using the hashtag symbol. So I, I will actually give him that one. Steve White in all caps. We are massive CV saying Watkins on fire. James says, up the Villa. A lot of those. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit further. Uh, villa Bird saying, what's going on? Jazz says, love this team. John, Wes, Nassif, Unai. Um, let's go to uh, Gary Fels. Now, this isn't actually a three-word review, but I did see this one when scrolling through, and I thought I'd mention it anyways. Um, he says, not a three-word review, but we haven't lost since my son was born in February. Um, he says maybe a good luck charm so you know what Simon's I think niece nephew have just basically won every time they go to Villa Park Gary's child has been born basically is now the second coming of Christ because Villa have basically not lost sense so at that time and point it looks like we're going to go undefeated um, for the length of his son's lifetime so hopefully he lives for a hundred plus years um, to say the least um let's go to gary pierce emory drug works um carl mitchell saying absolutely killed it and uh tom edge saying sob on Tyne of course we all know where that bit of a uh, quote unquote rivalry came from um Le- uh, Lewis newman saying where's my passport Tommy Butler, superb team performance, and let's do five more because there's just so many. Um, Apologies to everyone that um, I've missed, but I will go ahead and like these later tonight um, just to show some appreciation. Um, Let's go to Daz, who says, another Unai masterclass. Deadly Doug said, what is XG? Um, Let's go to Scott, absolutely fucking quality. And let's do two more here. Uh, actually, sorry, three more. This is another um, one that technically is only a two word review, but I do love it. Interpol says Ollie Watkins and in bracket says he is so good. So there is no third word needed. Um, let's then go to two more here. Um, <laughs> Nigel WV, Southgate's Day Ruined. And let's finish it off with uh, Craig um, I'm not going to pronounce your last name, Craig, because I'm probably going to butcher it. He says, we're fucking massive. So I think that is a brilliant way to end that. As I scroll through and make sure I didn't leave out any other brilliant ones. So with that being said, Simon, you're in the hot seat first. Can I have your three-word review, please? Simon, again, Saturday.
2: Okay, fair enough. Seb, how about you? Roll on Brentford would be mine, and I'm really glad that it took me so so quick amount of time to come up with that just rolled yeah, off
1: the tongue that one for the people that don't know it's literally been about two to three minutes um, well at least it felt like that seb had a stall so that that's been edited out to save you guys a little bit of time um when i, I just thought i'd about, give
2: cole some more work because we've been so good this episode he hasn't had much to do yeah, so uh, after but I, I do worst, just want to touch yeah. on gary's comment and okay.
1: that really puts things into perspective sometimes so it is really nice to hear that yeah absolutely um there's actually one more here that i i did like and not to stir up the rivalry with newcastle that doesn't exist in my mind um but someone literally just said uh richard saying spanked the Geordies. i i did find that one funny as well um i wish there was a gift for that but regardless of that let's go to mine this is going to be the title of this episode i actually thought of this like an hour ago this shows how prepared i am for once um i'm gonna go with the the let's see the Torquay holland that being ollie watkins i i think i think that's pretty good i i think that's at least a good three and a half out of five if you're gonna rate it or a good eight out of ten if you're gonna I, rate uh, it that way too. Uh, i like that i like that i think that's, that's a decent one i mean let's be honest he's absolutely on fire um if he was norwegian at this point we'd probably be saying he's better than holland um in the last <laughs> eight games so uh, i i think that's a pretty w- good way to leave that segment but uh I guess, guys, let's get over to our match balls, man of the matches. I mean, Ollie Watkins, John McGinn, Jacob Ramsey. Do you want to give it to Unai Emery? Do you want to give it to the the girl that missed the game, Seb, and give it to her for missing it? Um, do we give it to uh, Simon's nephew, who he snuck his first pint to as well? Um, just, just, to pre- just to precipice that, there was a photo of that. So if people are wondering where that's coming from. Um, so without further ado, Seb, who is your... Uh, man of the match, or who are you giving your match ball to? Now, unlike the three word
2: review, I won't need three to four minutes to come up with this one because I've had this since Saturday and it's Tyrone Mings. His block at one nil was as good as a goal. And that's probably the best
1: performance I've ever seen in a Villa shirt. Absolutely. hundred percent. Simon, how about you? I mean, there's just so many that, that you could give it to. Um,
3: I think, you know, Mings, I agree. I, and, I'm glad you mentioned him there because we hadn't mentioned him at all today and and I, I thought Mings was absolutely outstanding. As to be fair, I think he has been pretty much since ever he's come in. I think Mings has been brilliant. Uh, Moreno, you can mention him, but he has got to be Watkins, hasn't it? Two goals and the assists. And also, just let's talk about that assist. So many strikers, having hit the post like 10 minutes before that, so many strikers would have gone for goal there. To have the presence of mind to nod it back, Whilst being fouled. And it was such a good header back. It's, I mean, he was a complete center forward performance. So,
1: yeah, he has got to be Ollie Watkins. I'm just going to double it up here and take the cheap way and say Ollie Watkins as well. I mean, the fact that he set his own goal up, basically, I can't remember if it was the first or second one. I think maybe it was the second one uh, where he laid it off um, and was able then to basically have the oncoming player—I can't remember who it was—to be honest—kind of play it out wide, and then it was brought back into the middle to him. I mean, kind of the presence of mind, that the ability to really know his whereabouts and know who's around him. I don't know how many strikers would have just taken that on and kept going with it, and especially in Villa's past, and probably lost it, and then we would have conceded on the counter or something like that. I mean, he was just everywhere yesterday, and. I just love him. I didn't name my my dog after him, even though some people may think that, but literally every time he scored, I started clapping and I basically just congratulated my dog. So that's how it was yesterday. I might as well just say I did name him after him just to kind of get some credit because At this rate, I'm going to name my child George or whatever Ollie's uh, Ollie Watkins' nickname is just because he's becoming that much of a Villa legend at this point in time. But anyways, guys, before we do wrap things up, I did want to kind of uh, just not preview, but mention, of course, Brentford next weekend. Of course, we have Brentford, then Fulham on the following Tuesday united on the following sunday i do believe so a little bit of a heavy schedule heading into the next week or so but simon i'll come to you first i mean heading into these really next three games we might as well kind of talk about them actually in the collective i mean you have to go in with a lot of confidence thinking we can win any of these games can't you
3: definitely i mean Brentford's have had a really good season but they have started to fizzle out a bit in the last few weeks and you you know before the game on Saturday, you look at the last eight games, and on paper you you could have made the argument that new, that this Newcastle game was the hardest of those eight games. And I mean, football doesn't work, work like this, but we we battered them, so there's no reason why we can't go and 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 beat you know most of the teams we've got coming up. Brentford and Fulham, I think, two games that. You could definitely get six points from. I mean, if, if you've got a point at Brentford and beat Fulham, I still, you know, that's absolutely fine. With the man U is it's an interesting that because what I think from our point of view, we want Man U to get past Sevilla in that second leg because then that it just adds an extra game to their schedule. I think, I think if they do then their, the first leg of their semi-final would be the week, would be the Thursday after we play them. And obviously they've got an FA Cup semi-final this weekend. So it'd be, and they've got quite a few injuries as well. I think Varan and Martinez have been ruled out for the rest of the season. So they're going to have to play Harry Maguire and Lindelof for the rest of the season. So there's there's, a, there's an opportunity him to, to go and get something there. I, I think... The next run of games is interesting. We're on 50 points now, seven games left, 21 points to play for. 10 points takes you to 60. Nine times out of 10, that will get you a top six, top seven finish. So, you're getting too excited, Simon. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, this is just, you know, obviously, there's this talk of European football coming up. Probably another 10 or 11 points, which is not. Be, be on the realms of possibility for us to get. I don't know. This, I don't want to say it except I'm just jinxing it, but yeah, I, I think these, these, if we can come away from the next three games in that week with a minimum of six points, then I think we're in a, an outstandingly strong position between now and the end
1: of the season. 100% now just to preface this to everyone listening seb's laptop is about to probably die this unprofessionally is i don't know where his charger is regardless of that seb before you disappear from the face of the earth from this from this recording session i mean how are you feeling about this run coming? i i think we
2: we we touched on it slightly last week didn't we about how it was probably more difficult but we had the the f- fortune of playing the teams around us That Brighton game, last game of the season at home, could be absolutely crucial. If we go... And I I was talking to my brother about about this. If we go into that needing any points, I'd probably back us at home against them. So, Simon said, we've given ourselves an opportunity. If we don't make it this season, it is not the end of the world. From my side, there won't be a meltdown, you know, I will reflect on what has been a roller coaster of a season that could have gone either way, considering we were 17th. What doesn't actually feel that long ago. Um, so if we don't make it this season, I would not be overly disappointed. I would not look at this season as a failure. However, we've given ourselves an opportunity to do something really special and I don't want to say it's in our hands because there's teams around us with games to play. I've always said I'd rather points on the board, but with the games coming up, it does feel like it's in our hands. So it's just a case of waiting and seeing on my front. And if it happens, amazing. fairy tale stuff and roll on next season. Where's the passport?
1: If it doesn't, bring on next season and we'll go for it again. Absolutely. I mean, it's just the progress under Una Emery. We've said it a million times, has been fantastic. Whatever happens, we're in the right hands and we're going in the right direction. I think that's clear to not only Villa fans now, but just basically the entire footballing world at this point in time. But the one thing I will say. I mean, and I'm not discounting Brentford or Fulham or United. I mean, you look at Brentford in particular, their form's kind of been patchy as of late. Same thing with Fulham. I think they lost something like three or four on the bounce part or being Everton. And I know Seb said pre-recording that one of his friends, who is an Everton fan, um, said that they didn't even play that well in a 3-1 win. So, I mean, take that as you will, I guess, with that in mind. Um, and then, of course, United, the old foe. It, we never know how these games go or how they get called of course, if you want to go back in the history book. So we'll have to wait and see. But all I can say, regardless, whether we beat Brentford or we go for a couple draws and, and we go into that, to that uh, United game, um, I'm still full of confidence regardless. But I mean, let's get a little bit crazy here. If we somehow beat Brentford and Fulham on 56 points, you're going into that United game. Who knows, um, given their schedule? I, I think they have what Brighton in the semifinals of the FA Cup. And of course, then they have uh, Sevilla again as well. Maybe there's another game in there too. I think Spurs um, are on the Thursday prior to us. So they have even less prep time going into our game compared to when we play on the Tuesday and they play on the Thursday. So I don't know, all these things could potentially benefit us. Maybe that puts more of the pressure on them, but all I can really say is that every single Villa player probably has the most confidence they've ever had in their career, arguably. Um, And maybe as a fan base we just have to roll with that and get behind it and just enjoy it so we'll have to wait and see um let's just be absolutely ridiculous and say we're gonna get nine from nine we'll be on 59 points easy job we're just gonna go undefeated for the rest of the season and have a hell of a lot of fun because I don't know I I said before if we beat Chelsea a few weeks back then I'd be absolutely giddy the fact that we're here and we're still undefeated since then no one ever saw it coming. And if you did see it coming or say you're seeing, you saw it coming, then I probably don't believe you, but Anyways, I think that is a good way I'm to I'm just going to put a disclaimer up. out yep. there
2: before you finish. Sorry, Carl. Carl's views are those of his own and not of the rest of the Holocaust team. Thank you.
1: Well, you know what? Don't speak for Simon. Uh, if Simon wants to speak up and make that belief known as well, I'll fully support him and appreciate it. So I'm not lonely on this lonely island of optimism. But, well, I think that's a good place to leave this one. So I just want to say a little bit of thank yous to everyone that's listening. It's great to see all the numbers climb. With the support and the optimism around the football club, but of course, if I can ask one little favor, just throw us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It just makes it easier for other people to follow us. But of course, if you want to follow us personally, you can find us on Twitter. Of course, myself at Talk Aston Villa, Simon at Si O Regan, of course, Seb at Sebastian Bacon Eight. You can tweet us, of course, at seventy five hundred to Holt as a collective. Email the podcast. Holtcast at gmail.com and of course check out the website triple dot holtcom I still don't know how I remember this every single time this might have been the second outro but I will make it sound like it was the first but of course guys let's enjoy the ride let's go uh, for another three undefeated and let's just make this an ending to the season that we can all remember so there's only a few more words for me to say and they're the best ones you can ever say but let's leave it there and don't forget up the villa